Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Well, hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I trust that you are experiencing the love of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the purposes of God in your life today. I'm blessed to know that you're listening, and as always, I encourage you to um, to send us a line, send us a message. You can access us and reach us through keithcollins.net. You can also reach us through impactgf.org. Those are both of our websites, and you're able to send us a message or a prayer request or a comment, a question, whatever through there. So we we love hearing from you, and you know we do hear from some of you from time to time, and it's always a blessing, especially when we hear that the content that we are sharing each week is encouraging you, it's inspiring you, it's challenging you to go deeper in your walk with Jesus. So that's really that's really what we're all about. So thank you so much for reaching out to us. And again, if we've never heard from you, drop us a line. It'd be such a blessing to hear from you. Well, let me just say that um, this past weekend, I was blessed to preach at a new church, a church that has recently been planted a few months ago, actually by some former students of, of mine that, that are just dear, dear people of God, um, Skyler and Michelle Linderman. They've planted a wonderful church in the city of Morgantown, West Virginia, which is, of course, where West Virginia University is located, a, a large university there. And the Lord's really using them. They've, you know, they started off in a in a building that an old mall used to. Well, I guess it's still an old mall, but most of the stores are not there that were there in the past. But it's it's a great facility, and it was really an honor to be with them. And we just saw the Lord just do great things in hearts and lives there this past Sunday. So I was just blessed to speak there. And if you knew about that service and prayed for us, thank you so much. Again, we know that some of you are praying for us each and every week. And and this weekend, I'll actually be back in the state of West Virginia again. This time, I'm going to be on the Eastern Panhandle over near the Virginia border, um, speaking in Levels, West Virginia Community Fellowship Church. And so just keep us in prayer. We continue just to ask the Lord to use us and to send us where He wants us to go. So thank you so much for standing with us. Well, you know, last week I finished part four 
of what I was calling or what I called apostolic meekness or humility. And we heard from some of you, and I was blessed to hear that, um, you know, the Lord used those four messages, those four programs or episodes to encourage you and to bless you. And this week, I want to change subjects somewhat and, and deal with something else that I believe is so important. Let me just, before I even give you the title, let me qualify it by saying this. You know, I've been serving the Lord now for many years, um, about 38 years, and um, it's been an incredible journey. There have been challenges, there have been battles, but all in all, I can say that my experience has been amazing. And, you know, the Lord has been so faithful in every area of my life, my family, um, my finances, ministry, calling, all those things. And, you know, I've made mistakes along the way. We all do, especially in my um, earlier years. I'm in my mid-50s now, but, you know, really started in ministry, started pastor when I was 19 years old, very young. So obviously, you know, made mistakes. But through all my mistakes, God has been so faithful. And I just want to say that, um, you know, I, I still have such a passion for Jesus and for more of Jesus, not because it makes me sound spiritual to say that, but if you ever experience him, nothing but more of him will ever really satisfy you. And I have just found that He's amazing, and there's no end to His love. There's no end to His holiness. There's no end to His power. There's no end to His presence. There's no end to His forgiveness, His mercy, His beauty. I mean, He is just amazing. And I, I say that to say that um, there are many people, I believe, that walk with the Lord. Maybe they have that first love experience, but somewhere along the way, they get distracted. Now, those distractions can come in many different ways. Um, it could come maybe through disappointment, maybe even disappointment with leaders. And I've been disappointed with leaders. We all have. And to be honest with you, I've probably disappointed some people as a leader, not that I, I intended to. But, you know, there are different things that distract us. It could be disappointment. It could be um, busyness or maybe distraction. Some people start off on fire for the Lord. And then they get along the road of walking with God, and they get maybe caught up, and they um, they fall in love with with this world. And you know, there's there's people that start off pure on fire for Jesus and pure in heart, even in ministry, but they they begin to idolize ministry, and so so there's different things that happen. And then there's also those people that. Even though they're Christians, they fall into sin, sinful patterns and sinful lifestyles. And before you know it, they're, they're backslidden and they're away from God and, and just in a horrible situation. So I say all that to say that I do understand that there are legitimate challenges, legitimate battles, legitimate um, things that we deal with in our walk with God. But I want to say this, and I'm going to give you the title here in a minute. Um, there is a place in serving Jesus, in knowing the Lord, where we do not have to live in dullness. We do not have to live in lethargy, spiritual apathy, spiritual sleepiness. There's a place of living for the Lord to where he is new and fresh and real every single day. You know, I, I love seeing older couples that are still in love, that are still holding hands, that are still hugging each other, that still love to be together. And, you know, 
I have to be honest, the older I get, the more in love I find myself with my wife. And we just grow closer and closer the older we get. And I think that's a picture of how our walk with Jesus should be. We should never get to a place to where Christianity or Christianity is full of dullness and um, doldrums. Um, but, but I believe that our walk with the Lord should be exciting. It should be alive. It should be refreshing. It should be renewing. And when we know Him and see Him as He really is, as I said earlier, the only thing that really makes sense is having more of Him, knowing more of Him, desiring more of Him. So I want to I wanna talk to you today about something I want to just call the prime or the primary pursuit, the primary pursuit. Friend, what are you pursuing in your walk today with the Lord? Um, now, I understand that most of the people that, that listen to this, this broadcast, to um, this program are Christians, and, and I, I fully understand that. Maybe some aren't, and if you're not, I want to just say that if you ever really come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and you're born again of the Spirit of God, you are saved, then you're never going to find anything as beautiful, as wonderful as Him. However, there are many people in their walk with God that, that come into seasons of just kind of, um, let me say the best way to describe this, they just kind of lose interest, so to speak. They They sometimes even find themselves going through the motions and i'll be honest with you i'll be transparent i've been here myself a few times to where you're still in church you're still doing even ministry activity but you've really lost your your awe of god and i don't believe that's the way christianity should be i believe that what i see in scripture what i see even in history that there is a place where the lord just continually becomes more beautiful more present more real more um, wonderful, and and I believe that's the place that God wants us to walk in as believers. So let me let me read some scripture to you as I, I start this today. Um, again, I'm talking to you about the primary pursuit. What is the primary thing in your life that you are pursuing? And if it's not Jesus, then my friend, you need to ask yourself: What do I need to do? What do I need to maybe rearrange? What do I need to maybe repent of in my life in order that Jesus might become my all and all? Because I want to tell you, that is normal Christianity. Anything aside from that is not really normal New Testament Christianity. What we see in the New Testament is that there were a group of people, not that they were perfect, but these were people that when they heard the call of God, when they beheld Jesus as he was, they were willing to lay down everything in order to serve him. Now, they made mistakes. There were interpersonal challenges. But we see even through the writings of the apostles that there was this call to a place of abandonment unto him, to devotion, to worship, to intimacy. And friend, that is what we are called to exist in. That's not just something that we experience when we first get saved, when we go to a, a a powerful, maybe a revival meeting, so to speak. I was in the Brownsville revival for a few years, and and that was a glorious thing. But but friend, there's not just an experience that happens one time in our walk with God, but there should be a daily 
place of personal revival that we live in and that we exist in. And I'm convinced from reading the New Testament, I'm convinced from church history, I'm convinced even in my own life that this is where we are called to live in. So let me let me read Matthew chapter 13 and verses 44 through 46. And then I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. But listen to what Jesus says here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Now verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Now, the picture here that Jesus has given us is the value of, number one, him personally. Number two, the value of knowing him, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to where a man would be willing to give up everything, to to sell all his possessions in order to purchase this one pearl of great price, this one experience of ultimate experiences, which is knowing the Lord himself. So we see that picture. Now listen to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 through 11. This, of course, the Apostle Paul writing here. But he said this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection um, of the dead, a resurrection from the dead. So listen, listen to what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, Anything that I have ever accomplished, anything that I have ever gained, anything that was gained to me, he says, I actually look at these things as loss in order that I might have Christ. So listen, he said, I I count all these things lost. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and even count them as garbage or rubbish. Why? That I may gain Christ. And what is Paul saying? There is nothing in this world, whether it be in the world of religion, whether it be in the world of academics, whether it be in the world of business, whether it be in the world of fame and fortune. Paul said, there is nothing that I've experienced. There is nothing that I have accomplished, whether it be being a Pharisee, being an astute student of the law, it doesn't matter being from the tribe of Benjamin, being a a Jew, all those things that, that I've experienced, that I've known. He said, compared to knowing Jesus, these things are literally rubbish. They are garbage. And what is Paul's cry? His heart cry as he goes down in this narrative is that I may know Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, as well as the fellowship of his suffering. So what is Paul saying? I want to know everything there is to know about Jesus. Now, Paul presents 
a pursuit in his life. Paul is not one that just experienced the Lord on the road to Damascus, and Paul's conversion, of course, was radical. Paul had letters from the high priest, and he was on his way to persecute the church. Of course, Paul was the one that oversaw the first martyrdom of the church as Stephen was martyred. So here Paul is persecuting the church, bringing and allowing physical torment and torture against the church, those that were following this man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he's on his beast on the way to bring persecution or to bring more persecution to the church. And the Lord arrests him on his beast, throws him to the ground. He's blinded. Many of you know the story. And of course, the Lord speaks to him. And Paul is radically converted to Christ. His his life is so radically changed, and Paul is quickly brought into the knowledge of who Jesus is. And and he, not too long after that, after spending time um, with you know some of the the brothers and sisters in the church, he he begins his ministry, and his ministry is really expedited, and God uses him powerfully. And here he is writing the church. A letter in Philippi and he's saying listen my heart cry is to know him to pursue him where well, Paul knew him of course but Paul also recognized he realized that there were deeper levels in Jesus that were attainable that were available that were there for him the same way they are there for you and me and he lived in such a way where he sought him i i love hebrews um chapter 11 i think it's verse 6 um it says and without faith it is impossible to please god why because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him him. Now, what is the great reward? What is the treasure in the field? What is the pearl of great price? It's not a bigger ministry. It's not a better job. It's not jewels and diamonds and gold and all those things that the world can give. But the greatest treasure is having the Lord himself. He rewards us with himself. Those of us that earnestly seek him he makes himself available to him and he rewards us with his presence he rewards us with deeper revelations of his love to us and listen i'm i'm convinced that the depth of jesus the depths of jesus and our pursuit of him are deliberately connected as only by appropriating both of them brings about this progressive revelation of his beauty with an ongoing hunger and thirst that cannot be quenched. In other words, if you taste of him, the only thing that you can do is experience more of him. So many people look at their Christianity, they look at their walk with God as, hey man, I got saved you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's three years ago. And that's kind of like it. Well, I would say that's just the beginning of the journey. That's the opening of the door. And it just gets better and better from there. And there's a pursuit that we are invited into. Again, the primary pursuit is Christ. He is the the paramount. But again, there, there's no end to him. You never come to a place to where you find all that there is. Um, you know, it was Bernard of Clairvaux that said, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. In other words, you don't just experience him one time, my friend. It's not just the fact that you've been saved, and that's the that's the ultimate, of course, that you are saved from your sins and trespasses according to Ephesians. But but 
that's just the beginning again of this this pursuit of this ongoing experience that you have with him to where listen the dynamic of pursuing jesus even though we have experienced redemption is the result of this revelation that he cannot be exhausted or, or there's no end to him there's there's no final into his love, to his beautiness, to his holiness, to his power. It just gets more and more vast. And listen, I'm convinced that the wells of heaven's glory are really only tapped by way of a constant primary pursuit of the king's presence. I, I know people that when you're around them, you just feel the Lord upon their lives. I mean, and if you talk to them, they'll, they'll quickly let you know that, that the the primary theme of their day each and every day is to know him, is to walk with him, is to experience him. Uh, I love the book um, from Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. Friend, that's that's the life that we're called into. Listen, A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any or anything and and I believe that's that should be the cry of our heart God I don't want religion I don't want religious experience I'm not interested in just being a member of a church I don't want to just be able to stand at a podium and and, and preach or teach the word of God but Lord I want to know you I want to live in such a way that I wake up every day with this mindset I'm going deeper in Jesus today than I've ever gone before I'm going to behold him like I've never beheld him I'm going to know him in his beauty I'm going to know him as Paul said in the power of his resurrection healing power deliverance power um, power that changes nations but I'm also going to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings I want to fellowship in his heart burden for a dying world. I want to fellowship him in brokenness. I want to fellowship him in humility. I want to fellowship with him in what he feels for the condition of lost humanity, for his own people, for even the Jewish people that have not accepted him as Messiah. I want to know the pain he feels so that I can pray for Israel, for Jewish people effectively. I want to know Christ in these places. Friend, it's not just knowing about him. It's not just getting saved one time, but but it's it's walking with him and embracing this primary, ultimate pursuit of knowing Jesus. Friend, do you know him today? Because listen, you can know all about him. You can know the right verses. You can give me the Romans road to salvation. You can tell me how you maybe walked an aisle 10 years ago, 25 years ago in a church, and you took a preacher by the hand, maybe a pastor, and and he said, please repeat these words after me. And he prayed a prayer, and you asked Jesus to forgive you. And you might have even gotten saved that way. I'm not saying you don't get saved that way, but but I'm convinced that many people have boiled salvation down to a formula when it's much more than that. Salvation is knowing Jesus Christ. It's it's walking with him. It's 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 something that that happens and we are born again, but then we are being saved and there's a lifestyle of redemption, forgiveness, joy, salvation, power, holiness, glory. There's a lifestyle of pursuing Jesus and then there's a final ultimate consummation consummation whenever 
will put off mortality and take on immortality. And, and that might be a way of, of even natural death. Maybe even some have experienced that, experienced that through martyrdom and they are in their body. And then all of a sudden to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And there's that experience of knowing him even in a greater way. And one day we'll have spirit bodies, according to the Bible, and we'll walk in closeness with him in this, this place of ultimate consummation. But even now, while we are still, as as um, Charles Spurgeon said, we are landlocked in these human bodies. There's something within us that should cry out for more Jesus. Lord, I got to know you, friend. Listen, I I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to be critical or judgmental, but I question people who don't pursue Jesus that claim to be born again. Now, listen. I understand challenging seasons and people can go through rough spots. I'm not. I'm not trying to be critical in no way, shape, or form. But I'm telling you something. If you really ever experience Him, if you really ever know Him, if you ever behold Jesus as He is, in His beauty, in His holiness, in His glory. Then, my dear friend, the only thing, the only thing, the only thing that ever satisfies you is knowing him in deeper and in greater ways. There is a treasure to be found. There is a pearl of great price. There is a place. There's a realm of intimacy with the Lord that's available to every one of us. This is not just for the great missionary or the apostle Paul or the apostle James or the apostle Peter. This is not just for some mystical character that lived, you know, 800 years ago and that had dreams and visions. No, friend, this is for every one of us. Every one of us are called to walk into this place of depth with the Lord. Every one of us are called to earnestly seek his face. Every one of us are called to to live in his presence, even in the midst of battles. I love what David said, even in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. Friend, I'm telling you, I have sat at that table many times in the midst of fighting demons, in the midst of of horrific darkness as the enemy was trying to supersede or trying to to squelch and stop the call of God even upon my own life and family and I have watched the Lord provide a table and on that table he provides himself he he reveals his glory he reveals his power he he reveals the 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 revelation of divine union with him he reveals what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 for the church of Asia Minor, the church of Ephesus, that they would realize who we're talking about, that they would have wisdom and knowledge and revelation and understand that they would see how how high and wide and deep the love of Jesus is towards us. You see, for many people that are even deconstructing their faith today, and there's a lot of that that's going on, and I'll probably do a program on that in the near future, but many people that deconstruct their faith is because their faith was built more on on um, a formula, I believe, than it was on intimacy with Jesus. You can't deconstruct intimacy, right? 
if it's real, it's real. That's what John Wesley said. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I'm not talking about just feeling something in your emotions. I'm talking about by the Spirit walking with Christ, being born again, becoming a new creature, a new creation, as Paul said, becoming brand new, having cognizance or a, a conscience that's opened and awakened to the kingdom of heaven, to the glory of the Lord. Friend, that's salvation. That's what it means to be born again. And when you are born again of the Spirit of God, you enter a primary pursuit to where nothing, nothing, I've said it already, I'm going to say it again, nothing but more of Jesus will ever satisfy those that really know him. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, awaken hearts today, awaken passion, hunger, and thirst within these hearers today, God. Set our hearts ablaze for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, listen, I'm going to come back next week and, and finish this because there's a lot more I want to share. But listen, visit us. You can go to keithcollins.net or impactgf.org. keithcollins.net, impactgf.org. Again, we would love to hear from you. And I, I'm rejoicing to know that you are being encouraged. We hear from some of you, and it always blesses us. You be blessed today. And I'll see you next week here again on Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.